Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Axel and Friends podcast. My name is Axel Blaze, and in today's episode of the podcast, we are talking about uh, one of the one of the AnyTuber trends that's been going around Twitter lately. Um, for those that are unfamiliar uh, with the comings and goings of Twitter, there's a lot of stuff that uh, once one person uh, posts about it, other people kind of follow the trend and see what kind of sticks and it seems that for this week the big trend for people was that for every one like on a post they would give their hot take and uh kind of got me thinking hey why not turn that into a podcast episode rather than sitting and waiting for however many 50, 100, uh, etc. people decide to like, and then I'm obligated to make a post. So, ignoring that, I decided, like I said, to do a video on my own hot takes, as well as doing some hot takes uh, of the internet, as well as introducing some hot takes of my guest. And speaking of guest, uh, in terms of hot takes, there was one person in particular that I really wanted to invite as a guest on this podcast, because in terms of one piece hot takes and hot takes in general he is someone that i appreciate just the unabashed just courage and in all honesty really great hot takes that he posts uh tokyo tron tokyo tron welcome back to the channel and welcome uh to the first appearance on the podcast thanks again for having me i'm really happy to be here uh we're excited to get some takes off my chest that i've had for a while i I am honestly excited <laughs> to hear what you have to say because, like I said, I I love I I love following a lot of people's like posts and whatnot on Twitter. But like, I any time like I see your icon and then I, I see like a text post and I'm just like, all right, Tron is gonna say something interesting again, or he's gonna say something like so off the wall that is gonna trigger however many of his friends and people on Twitter and either way it's just super enjoyable to see your posts and whatnot but uh yeah you you were the you were you were my top pick for being on this episode because of that thank you mm -hmm. well like I said in the intro um what we're gonna do is that Tron and I are going to be giving some of our own personal hot takes and have some discussion on it as well, uh, rather than just, you know, taking a, giving a hot take and then running for the hills before somebody can call you out on it, if it's bad, or, you know, actually praise it for what it is. Um, definitely planning on being civil about it, uh, by all means. Uh, but uh, towards the second half of the podcast, when we tackle some of the internet's uh, quote-unquote hot takes, might not be as civil. We'll see what happens. Um, but... I want to give the the floor to you first, Tron. I want to what what is uh your first hot take that you want to discuss for the podcast? Okay, so my first take it could be mild or it could be extremely hot because I'm not really into the Berserk community that much. But the take is that the Berserk Falcon of the Millennium Empire arc is the best arc in Berserk. Very interesting. I so I'm gonna admit to something. I have not even started berserk yet it, it's one of those just like with like you know like how with movies where like there are ones where it's just like oh you haven't you haven't watched this movie like how can you say that you're a movie fan like that's something with like 
Berserk is it's something that I'm going going to read. Like I'm gonna have like this yeah. whole seinen pilgrimage thing, but that is a uh, the the quote unquote best arc of Berserk is definitely a. I don't know if I want to say contested thing as much as like it's one of those things where it's like people generally have like one or two answers and like anyone else that has something opinion a, a different opinion is considered wrong. I think for Berserk. So, like, I, I definitely want to hear your take on why it's better than some of the other ones, especially, like, some of the ones that are considered the best. Yeah, so, you know, I started Berserk a um, couple weeks ago, maybe. I always had a, the first three deluxe volumes, but just never got around to actually reading them. Relatable. So I decided to, uh, so I first read the first arc, obviously. It was a pretty short introductory arc, and then I got to the highly acclaimed Golden Age arc. Mm -hmm. So for this one, I read the whole thing in the physicals first, then I watched the three movies. I actually really liked the movie adaption for this arc as well, but I think that the Golden Age arc might just be a tad bit overhyped. Um... I don't really want to spoil anything, obviously. Fair enough. But essentially, I think that most of the reason why the art gets acclaimed or is widely appraised is because of the last maybe 20 chapters or so mm -hmm. the build definitely needed to exist in order for the last section of it to hit but i don't think that that last section essentially carries the rest of the arc to make it the best one in berserk the, you know the thing that makes me think of like it as like a, a comparison is honestly like the chimera ant arc from hunter hunter mm -hmm. because like the chimera ant arc is long and the chimera ant arc does have a lot of peaks to it but there's a lot of just certain things are just kind of drawn out and whatnot and like people still like acclaim like the chimera ant arc is like the best arc of hunter hunter but it's just like you know certain chapters of it are, are really great but are we really gonna apply that to like the whole thing yeah. um and like again i can't really say anything to my own opinions on berserk just because i haven't read it yet but like like you said the and i, I apologize if i say that you said it was the golden age right yeah so the golden age is like the one i see all the damn time like that is all people talk about similar to like again like chimera ant arc for like hunter hunter so like it's the fact that you have a different one i do think is a hot take um just again given berserk fandom's reaction to it but like it it really makes me curious to read it myself because i i want to understand why like people put this above the other ones whether they're not it's like nostalgia or other reasons yeah um but yeah no i i think that's a great one to start off with because just because of how big berserk is especially how big it is in the anime and manga space so no i appreciate that any other things you want to say on that take yeah i think also the chimera ant arc was also a really good comparison because the one way that I would describe Golden Age is I feel like it's remembered only for its peaks mm -hmm. and for the best moments it had. Kind of similar to how when a lot of people say Chimera Ant's the best arc, they're probably referring to Meruem versus 
Netero, you know, Gon's moment, maybe even Killua's fight, but they're not really even always talking about the whole arc and all of the slow moments that were needed to build to it. Right. So it's kind of hard for me in general because I understand you need the slow parts to build to the peaks of an arc, but where do we judge an arc if it has insane peaks but really low lows or at least boring lows? Right. How do you how do you balance it to yeah. like say like all right, well this is really good, but when you factor in this, it kind of lowers it to like this level. So no, I agree. Um, it, it's people like to put on the rose-colored glasses when it comes to the uh, low points of, especially their favorite series. Because, so, I mean, this is a hot take in and of itself. Some people cannot admit to the faults or the not so great parts of their favorite series. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all right. Well, in a in a very stark contrast to your hot take um the first hot take that i had on my side is a one piece hot take and my hot take for one piece is that the long ring long land arc is actually important to the plot of one piece um because <laughs> i gotta hear you out on this one. yeah so i mean as a big one piece person yourself you're more than familiar with the fact that people everywhere look down upon the long ring long land arc they're just like oh this this wasn't filler like especially for the people that like watched the anime like because we we go from like skypea to g8 to long ring long land arc i think there was some other filler in between but like given the nature of long ring long land arc like it makes people feel like it's filler even though it's not and like a lot of people hate on it because obviously you know the foxy pirates like specifically foxy and like how goofy it is compared to the fact that like like when you look at like the the timeline when you put it between skypea and then water seven with water seven and ennius lobby being like one of the high points of the one piece series like Long Ring, Long Land arc, people hate on it. But the reason why I think it's important to the story is... I have, I have two main reasons. So, one of the big ones um, that I had is that not everything that threatens you is necessarily going to be some big bad villain with godlike powers in the world of One Piece. Um, like, again sandwich between two arcs you have luffy fighting uh anel with his freaking thunder powers and one of the main reasons why luffy can even fight him is that like he he won the battle of rock paper scissors with him being rubber facing lightning and then going into water seven ennius lobby you have him fighting against rob lucci who had one of the strongest uh animal based devil fruits up to that point mixed in with all of his government cp9 training again compared to foxy who had the slow slow beam and he's a a, a big dork but like the fact of the matter was given that situation foxy was literally about to threaten everything about the straw hats and their way of life because he was able to manipulate things and be this tricky guy 
and because Luffy was I mean, Luffy is so used to like just fighting people that it's 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 such a change of pace like the fact that like yes he just survived against this god of thunder but now this crazy old man pirate guy is going to steal every single member of your crew because you're losing at these pirate games um and i i will say this i fully recognize the fact that this would not work in the new world whatsoever absolutely not although it would be hilarious if like big mom and kaido had a davy back game like it, it would never happen but that just it, it just would be hilarious in my opinion the other big reason why i think that the long ring long land arc is important is because it gives us a look at the culture of like the older generation of pirates like with one piece obviously the the big thing is that we're seeing a lot of the newer generation of pirates what they're doing to counter older generations of pirates the marines or whatnot but the davy back games were a part of this older generation of pirates where and, and you see that kind of too with the fact that like the foxy pirates like all of them are more or less like middle-aged guys there's not like you could say like the the girl hanging around with foxy is on the younger side but like otherwise everyone else is kind of like these middle-aged guys so it's interesting that like this older generation of pirates would use these davy back games to essentially take other people's crew members to uh supplement their own um like you would never have any other like, luffy is obviously able to get tricked in these kinds of things but like somebody like law kid jewelry bonnie uh, like any of these other people they they wouldn't think twice they would never accept this kind of thing so it's just interesting that like there was this element of like older pirate culture because we don't we don't necessarily get to see a whole lot of pirate culture in one piece so i i that's why at least to me long ring long land arc deserves more credit than it gets Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree it deserves a little more credit. One thing I really appreciate about the arc, I haven't read it in the manga yet. I skipped over it on my reread. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so I'm not sure if this is an anime-only scene or not, but I really enjoy the dynamic of Zoro and Chopper in general, just as parts of the crew. And I feel like what Zoro was saying to Chopper after he was, uh, like, basically won to mm -hmm. join the Foxy Pirates it really told Chopper what it means to be a pirate. And also, I guess it told the audience what it really means to be a pirate too. Cause I think in a certain respect, Chopper could almost be personified as the little kids watching one piece and Zoro's mm -hmm. like an older brother figure. So like when Zoro's teaching Chopper about how to be a man, how to be a pirate, whatever, it can almost be seen as Oda telling his younger readers like important life lessons absolutely i i really appreciate getting to see like the different character dynamics between uh the different straw hats and that's also like i think a strength of like the the first half of one piece prior to like the new world and whatnot because obviously with new world we get like a lot of fights and whatnot we still get the character moments but like that was definitely a bigger thing 
pre-New World. So I, I agree with you. I think that is a great character moment between the two um, that we got to see in the Long Ring, Long Land arc of all things. But I, 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 I do not blame you for skipping it <laughs> the, 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 the second time yeah. through. Because it, like, while I think it's important and I think, like, more people give it, should give it credit, it's not it's honestly not something that you have to watch or read more than once like once you've done it the one time you've got it it's not one of those things where it's just like oh gotta gotta look for one of these like oda foreshadowing things that this gonna happen like however many hundred chapters later that that was not the point of this arc whatsoever like they they were they were able to use foxy and his pirates for like filler episodes for the anime kind of later on but like that was that was never really the point of this so like i don't blame you for skipping it i think i think it deserves at least that one read watch through um just because again it's it's so different compared to again looking at what plots it's sandwiched between like you would never expect this in the middle of skypea and water seven like i and any other series, I don't think they could pull it off, but I think One Piece did. Even if we did have really weird grandpa and his long-necked horse and stuff. So it is what it is. But yeah, that is, uh, that's my take on the Long Ring Longland arc and my one hot take for One Piece for this video. Okay. So I will open the floor to you for your second hot take. Okay, so my second hot take probably isn't a hot take in the grand scheme of things, but at least in our space and in the space of people that like to analyze anime and stuff like that, it's that Dragon Ball, specifically Dragon Ball Z, is extremely underrated, and also that I think there's an argument to be made that Namek might be a top five shonen arc. Ooh, that is a very interesting take. I think I, I honestly, I agree with you, I think, on the Namek side of things, but I, I'm going to let you kind of explain further on why you think Dragon Ball's, especially Dragon Ball Z is underrated and that, so go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, in the grand scheme of things, obviously with sales and just public reputation, Dragon Ball Z is nowhere near underrated, but I think at least Twitter, YouTube... I'm not sure where this stigma started, but it's always kind of been implied or like people have talked about Dragon Ball Z is basically just a meathead fight show, no story. Uh, I mean, obviously fights are important in Dragon Ball Z, but it's a lot more than that. And I feel like it's just often discredited. Like even still, I now see some people straying away from it or being more fair to the series, but I still see people say like, oh, you like Dragon Ball? Dragon Ball's not good, read a real anime, like, that's a gateway, stuff like that. And I really just don't understand why. It seems to me almost that a lot of people, surprisingly, in this anti-tube space probably didn't watch Dragon Ball, because I really can't see a way in which someone could actually watch the series and experience it than just to say it's just a gateway or it's just a bad generic shonen. No, I agree. It's, it, it all really depends, I think, on how you grew up with it 
like a lot of people view it from that lens of oh well i watched this growing up as a kid and you know i've you know i i've watched other things now and it, in in that respect most people watched dragon ball z before they watched dragon ball because that was how it was dubbed back in the 90s and early 2000s they dubbed dragon ball z before they dubbed dragon ball because they thought people would enjoy dragon ball z and they were kind of hesitant on dragon ball um but the thing is so many people i think under like don't understand in 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 the in the grand scheme of manga and shonen how much of a game changer dragon ball was like in in the culture and whatnot and how much it changed shonen as a whole because prior to dragon ball fist of the north star was like the talk of the town and the thing that everyone was trying to like copy or emulate i mean that's why even with like jojo's bizarre adventure for the th first three parts araki was very heavily inspired by fist of the north star as were a lot of other people before he started slimming everybody down which i do not have a problem with i enjoy araki's art style changes and i i've enjoyed seeing the evolution through time but like that's the thing is that like jojo came out before dragon ball did and when dragon ball came out it completely changed the landscape like all of a sudden like a, a shonen protagonist did not have to be some like big buff guy like you could have characters that were completely off the wall with crazy powers and whatnot and that was cool and so i think that's why especially like older people have that appreciation for dragon ball um, but like to the gateway comment, why, why does being a gateway series have to be a bad thing? I, mm -hmm. I, it doesn't have to be like, like it's, it's completely fine for a series to be a gateway series into enjoying other things that doesn't diminish like how good it is, but like it's, it's one of those things I think that's part of the you know the annie tube annie twitter hive mind of like oh yeah. uh like it, it's popular to think that it's not so great anymore when to be honest a lot of those people that might be perpetrating that were ones that used to love dragon ball back in the day until they were told that they shouldn't mm -hmm. um but i'm curious though as to why you think namek is as big or or should be uh, considered as big as it is, and why it should be like a top five. Yeah. So the main reason why I say Namek, and before I even get into that, it's just because I think while I appreciate everything that Dragon Ball did for manga anime industry, I think that it's also uh, like we have to recognize the difference between just being a trendsetter. Because another thing that I see a lot of people say is, oh, respect Dragon Ball because it paved the way. But I think it's fine to do that, but I also want people to respect the series for being good. Not just because it paved the way, not just because it was the first, because I think Namek, as I said earlier, holds up to being a top five arc. And the reason I say that is because of just how much happened in the arc. So previously we had obviously Vegeta. He's not a good guy, not fighting with the good guys. He sees Gohan and Krillin, they team up. You know, they go through all their adventures, Zarbon, Dodoria, fight Ginyu Force. 
and everything with Frieza, Goku, the Super Saiyan transformation being revealed, I feel like there's just too much going on in Namek for it to not be a top 5 arc. And the other thing about Dragon Ball in general is it just has something about it that I can't really put my finger on as to why, but it evokes emotions in me personally while watching it that I don't get from a lot of other anime. While I admit it doesn't have the choreography that Naruto does, for example, you don't see the hand-to-hand, -hand, you kind of just see, like, I guess explosions happening. It doesn't have a super complex story, but it happens, it somehow has this entertainment value that I can't really tell why, but I just can't get that same enjoyment from a lot of other series I read or watch. No, that's fair. Um, it, it definitely is, like, an emotional arc for, like, multiple reasons. Especially, like, and this is one of those things where, like, it was... The arc makes more sense if you watched or read Dragon Ball. Because um, especially with Krillin's death, like, if you didn't watch or read Dragon Ball, you would not understand why Goku is as distressed as he is at Krillin's death. Like, you would not have known that in Dragon Ball, Krillin died. And at least in terms of the Earth Dragon Balls, you could not be wished back to life a second time. So this entire time, and what sparks his rage into the Super Saiyan form, is the fact that like he thinks at this point in time that Krillin is gone forever. Like there is there is no bringing Krillin back. He just lost his best friend to this tyrannical space overlord and this just um, evokes the emotion in him and like you you see these other emotional aspects as well the fact that the, the namekians are this proud people that are trying to save the members that they can while frieza and his forces are killing them one by one you see again vegeta like who like is realizing his own inferiority and but continues to grow throughout this arc because of the the zenkai boost with saiyans and whatnot but like even him too alluding to the whole super saiyan thing as he is dying because of frieza like all evokes a lot of emotion um to the to the point of the choreography and i i do agree too compared to like naruto or whatnot no there's not a whole lot of necessarily yeah. as cool choreography here and it, it is something that i miss from dragon ball when there was still more of a focus on the martial arts aspect of it but like even still like everything involving namek has a lot of high stakes which i mean uh, you know another hot button topic on annie tube of oh well what what this this isn't high stakes enough it's like not i'm sorry that 500 million people did not die for you to consider it high stakes but again i i, I think and and this this could also be because again i grew up with it so i i watched dragon ball z in the 90s into the 2000s like compared to dragon ball z kai if you were watching dragon ball z it was a running joke about the fact that, like, a given episode would literally be charging atta an attack, and in the next episode, 
missing the attack and charging up a second attack. Like, it was very drawn out. So I think for the people that experienced it from an anime-only perspective, that's potentially what made it feel, like, not as great as it actually was. At least at least from my old person perspective, as, as old as I am. Shed a yeah, tear. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely agree with that, because I grew up on Kai. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, before I even knew what anime was, because it was just on, like, I think Nicktoons probably or something like yeah. that. But it when was. I went to rewatch it, I got the Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I bought them, right, I didn't really, like, realize Kai was much different. Mm-hmm. And it definitely dragged a lot more than I remembered growing up. Yeah. Like, a lot more. Because I watched the Blu-rays, like, only a year or so ago. Right. And it's it, that's the thing, is that... In all honesty, Kai is more faithful to the manga because you are just streamlining the process compared to, I mean, back in the day. And this was the case with all shonen, and this affected Dragon Ball too, where, like, because it was a weekly thing and they did not want to catch up to the manga, they had to spread things out. And that was kind of what happened with Namek. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, but I, I appreciate your take on it. And I appreciate the fact that, like, that Namek, Namek in and of itself deserves to be a more recognized arc. But more, more people should respect Dragon Ball. It's, it is not a bad thing to be a gateway series. Um, it's, it's not bad for, like, kids today that are just getting into anime and, like, for example, if their gateway anime is My Hero Academia, Demon Slayer, etc., that's not a bad yeah. thing for it to be a gateway series. And I don't think that diminishes it in any way. It's, sure, it's not Steins Gate, I get it, but, like, it's it's fine. It's fine to be a gateway series, and that does not make it bad. Yeah. Anything else before we move on, then? Uh, I think that's it for that take. Sounds good. Well, uh, transitioning into more of a general kind of hot take rather than necessarily spe- series specific, um, what we talked about definitely lends into this. My next hot take is that people don't understand the difference between copying and homage or just following a trend in general. Um, you have, oh my god, there are too many people that they see a series or a technique from a series or something or other and they like they think oh well this is just copying it from another series like oh this is copying it from naruto oh this is copying it from one piece or bleach etc uh probably my god one of the most cringy headache inducing takes that i saw online at one point was somebody trying to argue that uh, Domain Expansion was copying Monozone from Black Clover. And I I wanted to bang my head against uh. the wall because I was just like, oh, that's I'm, I, you're right. Zone-based techniques 
were originated by Black Clover. It's not like, oh, wait, there were zone-based techniques in Hunter Hunter. There were zone-based techniques in Yu Yu Hakusho. The fact that there are techniques where you can step into a zone and it affects people, that's that's been everywhere. That's not something that is specifically being copied from one series to another. Like, it's... Oh my god. Like, there there are tropes. There, there are things that, like, shonen series, like, all shonen series follow certain tropes. There are, like, certain tropes that all seinen series... And uh, people think that seinen are, like, all these untouchable things. No, seinen has their own tropes. Like... Every, these like all these things that like each seinen series do yes there are people that break the mo mold but like for the stuff that gets churned out on a yearly basis everything follows tropes and trends and like like i said too like back in the the days of shonen jump before dragon ball z and whatnot like fist of the north star was the big thing so you had other series taking note of that trend and <laughs> having big buff guys as their main characters it didn't mean that like things were like blatantly being copied it was trends and like for even like newer series today like you have some people some people that might think oh Jujutsu Kaisen is copying a series like Hunter Hunter or Bleach or whatnot and it's just like no like the the things that it's doing are an homage to elements of these other series it's not blatantly copying them but again you have people online that are just like oh this is copying this this is copying this it's like no no you're not <laughs> i just uh I, I i don't know how much like you've experienced in that regard with this topic but like it's as someone that has you know been experiencing anime for over two decades now like people don't know what they're talking about yeah yeah so i mean in terms of copying versus homage when you were mentioning jujutsu kaisen the one thing that came to my mind is kakashi and gojo i see a lot about kakashi i mean Gojo is a Kakashi clone, Ghetto, Obito clone, yada yada yada, Team 7, Jujutsu Kaisen trio. And I think that that is the clearest example of a difference between homage and copy, right? Mm -hmm. Kakashi has white hair, Kakashi covers part of his face. Gojo has white hair, Gojo cop covers part of his face, his eyes. Mm -hmm. Apart from those appearances that are similar and the fact that they're both the teacher they are completely different characters and the amount of people saying that gojo is a kakashi clone tells me one of two things the first is that they either just can't look past the surface level similarities or the second is that they didn't read one of the series because if you're to tell me that gojo's character is anywhere close to kakashi's character they're really just not i mean even personalities, strength, their importance and significance in the series, Gojo couldn't be further away from what Kakashi was in Naruto. Mm-hmm. And, and along that similar vein, like, again, like, the, the fact that, like, people will compare whenever a series has trios to, 
to Naruto. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, well, this is just the this is the Naruto of the series. This is the Sasuke of the series. This is the Sakura of the series. Again, making a like a, a comparison to Black Clover, like, well, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen first. Sasuke and um, why? Oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? I feel Megumi are nothing alike. But you have people that are like, oh, well, Megami is a Sasuke clone. It's just like, no, they're two very different deuteragonists. Like, they, they have very different personalities, different techniques and whatnot, different backgrounds. Like, they are not the same. But people love making that comparison. And they do it to, like, Black Clover, too. It's just like, oh, well, you know is the Sasuke of Black Clover. It's like, hell no. Like, so, like... Asta and Yuno have one of the best relationships in the series, and that never changes between the two of them. Like, Yuno is very, very different, but, like, again, it's just like, oh, well, there's a trio, so it's, it's, it's gotta be a copy of this, and, like, it's gotta, it's gotta be this. And it's just like, you have not read enough things to think that, like, Naruto started this. Like, you, you, you honestly think that Naruto invented having, like, a trio of main-ish characters in the 2000s. Like, up to that point, like, no other, like, manga or anime were like, huh, what if I had three people? No, it's gotta be four. Three is unheard of. Like, (laughs) read more. (laughs) Actually read or watch to understand that there's differences. Like, ah, it's it's painful sometimes it really is and like it's it seems like it's always the stuff that's like popular gets targeted the most it's just like oh well like uh, the only reason why it's popular is that it's you know copying what this series did it's just like oh my no just because it's popular doesn't mean it's copying either like ugh any twitter sometimes any tube ugh yeah, I'm building on that. I think that one of the main problems is people's lack of nuance, right? Because yes. obviously, uh, Megumi is not anything like Sasuke, right? But mm-hmm. you also have these group of people saying, like, Megumi's not an homage to Sasuke, or like the fact that it's a trio, the fact about Gojo and Kakashi similarities, right? Like, it's clear as day to see that some inspiration was taken. Mm-hmm. And that's fine as it is, but you have it's too extreme right because there are people who are like jujutsu kaisen black clover you know is a copy of sasuke and there are people like no you know has nothing to do with sasuke right because to me it almost seems like i obviously don't know but i wouldn't be surprised if uh tabata had read naruto he definitely has read naruto and probably saw the naruto sasuke dynamic and wanted to make it not toxic and just wanted good brothers and I don't have a problem with it, right? Like, I think it's fine to have an homage, but it's another thing entirely to say it's not related whatsoever. Right. It's It, it would be completely asinine for people to assume that, like, any, any creator today is not taking inspiration from their predecessors. Like, it, that, that's been the same throughout history. You have people today that are taking inspiration from series like Naruto or Bleach. You have people from that time period that took inspiration from like Yu Yu Hakusho, Full Metal Alchemist, and like like before that and before that. That's just how it is. You learn 
from what works from other series and you learn from what doesn't work and you apply that to yourself you still have people that don't learn that lesson and they you know they put out a garbage fire but you know like to to think that like it people aren't learning from that kind of stuff like it's it's silly and like you said it, it it's not some like zero or 100 it's not a black and white kind of thing there are there are grays to it and like people don't understand that nuance whatsoever i completely agree all right i think that's a good enough discussion on that point so i can move things back over to you for your next hot take okay so my next take is that stakes and consequences are very very important to a series but also that they are relative so yes. what i mean by that is i'm gonna use tokyo revengers as an example sure so people say like to say there's no stakes because maybe a planet's not exploding right mm -hmm. because of dragon ball they use that example a lot but i'm saying stakes are relative and it depends on what's already established in a story mm -hmm. like maybe in a slice of life a super big deal is a main character failing their math test or something that seems mundane but in the context of a story that is a consequence of making a bad decision mm -hmm. and the reason why I chose Tokyo Revengers is because it's the one series I've read as of late where it feels like no character is really safe. Mm -hmm. The only person that I feel like most likely is going to be fine is Takamichi, unless he sacrifices himself towards the end of the story, but that's just because he's the main character. I can realistically see any side character dying, and they have died. I mean, yes. in Tokyo Revengers someone gets hit by a baseball bat that's like a big deal oh it's please not just don't remind me you go oh god hospital, you recover i mean and stuff like that is just really important to a story and the reason why i say stakes are important but relative is because obviously they're not fighting for the fate of the universe or anything but consequences do happen and on the other end of the spectrum one series that i handle stakes or consequences very well is one of my favorite series in one piece mm -hmm. i mean we already have all the stuff the will of p whatever pedro <laughs> Eckham's papagoo but in general i don't always enjoy even as much as i enjoy one piece don't get me wrong i don't like it when i know everyone's going to be safe mm -hmm. i mean at the end of the day we know zoro gonna fight the second guy luffy's gonna fight and beat the main guy you know, Sanji, whatever, and none of them are going to be severely injured or die. And that's probably the reason why my favorite arc in One Piece was Saba Odi, because I felt like, you know, Oda's been setting up how dangerous the world was and how small and insignificant the Straw Hats really were. But that was the one arc where it felt like the Straw Hats actually suffered any consequences, like them just running around doing whatever they wanted didn't work out for once. Yes. And I feel like in general we have to recognize that yes stakes are relative depending on the confines of the story they're in but we can't just have no stakes in a story because it just gets repetitive and bland yep no i completely agree and that is a very good take on saba odi as well because i agree like up to that point they managed to make it through any situation that they were in up until that point like the two people that really had like the most technically happened to them were luffy and zoro with luffy already 
supposedly shortening his life based on the techniques that he used, and then Zoro taking on all the pain that he got uh, in Thriller Bark. Like, up until that point, they were the only two that was just, like, really took stuff on, outside of the emotional side of things, obviously. Um, but that that also, I, I kind of want to extend the point that you're trying to make, that, like, stakes does not mean death. And I think that's a, a big thing that, like, too many people are, too many people are, like, blood hungry, honestly. Like, especially the My Hero Academia fandom. It, like, it, it seems like, because you, you, you're you're caught up on the manga, right? Yeah. Not that I'm going to go into spoilers mm-hmm. with that, but, like, there were a lot of people that were, like, hungry for blood after a certain arc and were disappointed that there wasn't more of it, but not appreciating the other elements of like the results of that situation and like the current uh atmosphere in the world of my hero academia that is that is stakes that is consequences and like not enough people were appreciating that because there was like oh well not enough people died or whatever it's just like people don't have to die for it to mean stakes it doesn't Mm -hmm. like and it, it, but I mean, on the inverse side of that, I do understand that when, you know, people do go through uh, something and you think that they're going to die and then they don't die from whatever plot device that prevents them from dying, like you said, the will of P, like, it, it, it does lose that sometimes. But, again, stakes does not always mean death. Like, there are other consequences and whatnot to their actions. But it is it is great to see when there are consequences. Like, when, when there aren't consequences, like, it, it does lose some of that impact. Um, and I, I think that is one of those things where it's like... I think that is sometimes lost on Tokyo Revengers. Because it is a time travel series. Like, so many people think, oh, we'll just, you know, time travel and uh, get to fix it. But then you find out, like, uh, no, if somebody dies in the past, they die in the past. There is no redo on stuff that happened back then. There are, re- there are like, there are branch timelines for stuff that happens in the future, but anything in the past is permanent. But again, because it's time travel related, you have some people that are just, that, that gloss over that fact. Yeah, and going back to my hero again without getting any spoilers i think that it represents uh with again trying hard not to spoil that anything about the arc but it represents one thing i really like and dislike about stakes so the one thing that i don't really like is padding out deaths Mm -hmm. so what i mean by this is yes i don't need a lot of people to die but i also don't like it when you know, characters that, in the grand scheme of thing, no one really cares about when they die, and, like, that's supposed to be some sort of stakes, because I don't think that it's just numbers, it's supposed to be stuff that has emotional impact, and honestly, I don't think the deaths really had that, but the stakes that I did like weren't the deaths at all, it was everything that came about from that arc, mm-hmm. again, without spoiling anything, it's like the whole world got flipped on its head everything that we knew before 
no longer your thing. It's like, and I think that what happened as a result is probably more important than any death that could have happened besides maybe if Deku or Uraraka or Bakugo died. Mm-hmm. And I, I think to go along with that too, like, I, yes, like it, I, I think showing the numbers of like however many people die is important. Like, yes, like if there are ones that you don't understand, like it doesn't bear as much weight. I, I think you lose, like, again, a lot of people kind of lost track of the fact that like how many people were physically injured to a point that is going to be debilitating and or how many people are suffering from like emotional repercussions and whatnot from what happened and that's a big that's a big part of the current plot is the emotional repercussions but like people are like oh emotions that doesn't matter as much as death yeah. and it's just like oh my god please stop but like I, I agree. It, it's you, you see the good and the bad in this arc, uh, and you see the you see the good and the bad from the fandom as well. But that's that's fandoms for you, honestly. Uh, yeah, I mean, one other thing that I just uh, got reminded of when we were talking about stakes is the end of the Shibuya incident arc in Jujutsu Kaisen, and I mean yes. that one. I think it was a double page spread, just black background with a ton of boxes explaining what happened. That is probably like one of the best chapters of the series for me. Because again, maybe not necessarily our main characters died, but death isn't even really what matters. The whole universe of Jujutsu Kaisen is completely different. I mean, yep. this whole secret society is basically out. All of Japan is in shambles. I mean, that alone is more impactful than any one death could have been in the series mm -hmm. and not that there weren't impactful yeah. deaths from it but like that's the thing is that because of all the changes that happened and like but you you have people that undermine that chapter because it's like oh it's a hunter hunter chapter where it's just yeah. covered in text and it's just like oh my god like you don't understand that based on the delivery what that delivery implies like the 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 crazy overlapping like thoughts that are going on is just like these are all important things but it's just this cacophony of all this stuff happening at the same time that it's crazy and that 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 is relayed in those two pages for the people that understand the nuance and as we've discussed there are a lot of people in the anime community that don't understand nuance so you know it is what it is but that I that is a perfect example. All right. Well, anything else on the topic on your end then? Um, I'm good. Sounds good. Well, uh, moving back to a more series specific take from me, uh, and this is probably gonna be a really weird hot take, but I'm gonna go with it because yeah, um, especially considering uh any twitter any tubes opinion on the series i think that fairy tale deserves more credit as one of kadansha's best-selling series breach uh like uh so i i am an unabashed hero mashima fan um i will say that um fairy tale is not my favorite series from hero mashima my favorite is still rave master 
Um, and I do, I will admit, I enjoy Eden Zero up to this point more than I enjoy Fairy Tale. But there are way too many people that shit on Fairy Tale, despite the fact that it is one of the best selling Kodansha series of all time. And I don't think enough people understand that. <laughs> like, yeah. so if you go on Wikipedia and you actually look up the series that are like the best selling manga series of all time, obviously you see One Piece at the top. Obviously. Uh, you see other series toward the top, like Naruto, Bleach, Slam Dunk. Obviously, Demon Slayer has just crushed things. Um, and Attack on Titan is uh, Kodansha's biggest selling manga of all time, at this point in time, um, having sold over 100 million copies. But for Fairy Tale, it's the sixth best-selling Kodansha series of all time. Mm. Only behind Attack on Titan, The Kendaichi Case Files, Hajime no Ippo, Sazai-san, and Vagabond. Yes, Vagabond is a Kodansha series as well, which I, just kind of in general, I, there are a lot of people that still don't understand that there are manga series that come from places other than Shonen Jump, yeah. or Weekly Shonen Magazine, like there are, there are other magazines and whatnot out there, but I mean to give credit or to make people feel a little bit better. I mean, that's just kind of how we were exposed growing up. I mean, like Shonen Jump had such a big presence in the West and the other magazines and publishers didn't until recently. Um, like I can tell you as like, as a comparison, like if you go to Barnes and Noble now with how many shelves of manga that you've got from all these different publishers and whatnot, it's a very different compared to what it was 10 years ago. Or 20 years ago and i i appreciate the fact that we're like seeing more but i digress off topic here there there are so many people that like they shit on fairy tale because speaking to to your last hot take there are a lot of people that think oh there aren't stakes in fairy tale um which to be fair there are a lot of people in fairy tale that avoid death like a lot like, it's not until you get, like, much later on in the series where you actually see, like, important characters die that aren't side characters. Like, I, I've made the joke for, like, the longest time of just, like, oh, man, all these villains died. And, like, Grey is alive five times. Who, who, who's dead? Who act, like, who do we know is dead? Oh, it's Simon. It's, it's just Simon. Like, it, it's... And, like, the farther you go on into the series, there are, like, so many other people that avoid death, too. And it's, like, I get it. There are, there are other stakes in the series. Um, yes, the, the power of friendship is something that prevails a lot. But when you look past all that, like, fairy tale connected with a lot of people for, for it to sell as many copies of its manga that it did. But, again, it's another one of those series where, like, the anime community tells you that it's popular as shit on Fairy Tale because of those things. Um, even though it was as big as it was. Um, like, and again, I am of the mindset that Rave Master and Eden Zero are better. Uh, Rave Master and Eden Zero both, in my opinion, do have stakes that are more consistent, and more consistently executed but fairy tale 
at the end of the day, was a much bigger series than either of those other two. And honestly, I just want... My, my hot take really here is just for more people to recognize that. Because, not again, not that like sales means quality and whatnot. Because that's, you know, a very popular argument on any Twitter and whatnot when it fits somebody's agenda. But when there's something that doesn't, they like to ignore it. It is what it is. But, yeah, I... It's just one of those series where I think more people need to just respect the fact that it was as big as it was. Yeah, and um, I mean with Fairy Tale for me, so I have completed the Fairy Tale anime. Mm-hmm. I do also have to admit I did drop it for a couple months, um, not even because it was bad or anything. You know, I just wasn't actually watching anime at the time. It was also after in between arcs, but I think for me. One main problem I have with Fairy Tale is it's from the power scaling aspect of it, right? Like, I yes. understand power scaling, whatever, what have you. Some people care about it, some people don't, but I feel like it at least needs to make sense, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that the main problem with this is, and I think Fairy Tale, maybe it's just because they wanted to give this message of Natsu always being an underdog overcoming the odds, but. If you tone down the villains in Fairy Tale just slightly, I feel like there wouldn't be any problems with it, right? Because the villains are always super overpowered. Um, something has to happen to Urza because Natsu has to get the shine, yep. even though Urza is consistently portrayed to be stronger than Natsu. So, and because of that, Natsu has to get a power up, so it makes sense for him to beat the villain. Then the power up has to be taken away, so he's still weaker than Urza at the end. And that basically happens every single arc. And I get it probably just to make the point because you want the MC to win, but it doesn't really make sense a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And even with all of this, it still really was a fun, enjoyable watch for me. And then that's until the ending of Fairy Tale. So mm-hmm. I don't know your thoughts about it, but the one fight where I was just like, okay, Mashima. It was, um, her, I think her name's Wendy, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, so Wendy and Shelia versus, I don't know who it was, but the person basically was able to completely manipulate time. I forgot exactly what happened, but I think Wendy's cat saved her or something like that. Whatever happened should not have happened. And at that moment, I was like, you know, it's, it is what it is. We know who's going to win. We know who's going to lose. You know, stuff's just going to happen, and we have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. No, it's... It, it, it's... Yeah. I... I'm not a fan of the final arc of Fairy Tale whatsoever, because it's just one of those things where it's just like, well, we're going to the end, and... Uh, for the most part, people will make it out at the end, but, you know, it is what it is. And again, that's... That's why I like Rave Master and Eden Zero a lot better, because I think that there's more consistency with it. Um, Rave Master in general is actually one of my favorite series of all time. Uh, and I am still still working on getting all the physical books. And that is just a hell in a handbasket trying to do that. Just because they are very hard to get. Damn you Tokyo Pop for going out of business at one point. But again, it is what it is. It, it, it's just Rave Master was a series that consistently had stakes there were losses, there was a clear path of growth for the main character in terms of collecting rave stones and or 
uh, acquiring new forms for his sword. Um, and even for, like, the other characters, like, there was, like, a clear path of growth as, like, they were gaining more things along the way. Whereas Fairy Tail, like you said, is just like, well, Natsu is the underdog, he gets beat up, the final fight drags on to the point where Natsu can finally beat the main or the main villain, rinse and repeat. Um, it would have been great to see, you know, other characters really get to shine more and potentially beat the final villain, but I that that in and of itself is just a shown in trope shown in trope too of that like the main character has to beat the main bad guy. Um so which uh obviously we're experiencing that once again with one piece and we'll see what happens there but you know it's 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 just that's a shonen trope in and of itself not that it's a bad thing but yeah i don't think at the end of the day i don't think fairy tales a bad series i think it i get i think it gets too much crap on it uh and unrightfully so yes it follows tropes and whatnot but uh, it it was big enough for it to be one of the best-selling Kodansha series of all time. So, that's my stance on that. Um, yeah, and I mean about uh, like about Fairy Tale not being a bad series. Uh, I don't want to just disregard everyone's opinions and just say that they're right. elitist. But to me, it really seems like a lot of the Fairy Tale hate is because you're kind of supposed to hate Fairy Tale according to whoever. I don't know who started it, whether it's just, like, a general opinion so people try to fit in, but apparently it seems like, you know, hating fairy tale means that you can analyze content or whatever. And besides just that and the hive mind mentality, which we've already discussed some, I think one thing people have to realize is when you're calling fairy tale bad, you're calling fairy tale bad in comparison to other elite series, right? Like, I mm-hmm. don't think it's something that people often forget right like fairy tale having the sales it does what we can argue about the sales later but it's like it's not just terrible outright you can say yeah fairy tale i don't like it as much as naruto dragon ball jujutsu kaisen mha whatever like people have that opinion but it's not inherently bad it just might be you know like to the bottom of people's list but it's still on the list yep on, on top of that too it's not like more people need to have the mentality that you don't have to read peak fiction or bust it's mm-hmm. completely it's completely fine to read or watch something average now and then it's not bad for something to be average like but too many people are like oh if it's not peak fiction i don't care yeah. it's like come on get experience more things it's not gonna hurt you but no i agree all right, well, floor is once again yours for another hot take. Okay, so my hot take is, so it's about kingdom, but more than just kingdom, it's about calling out seinen elitism in general. So basically seinen, as far as I know, they were like kind of a big four, what people generally consider like the best four seinen series. You have Vagabond, Berserk, Kingdom, and Vinland Saga. What about Poon Poon? I, I was, I mean, yeah, well, Poon Poon too. That, I mean, because Poon Poon's like a, it's like slightly different though, just because it's not really action like the other ones. I I'm just saying because there's the there's the mantra online of uh, Berserk, Vagabond, Poon Poon yeah, yeah. kind of thing. But go on, go ahead. 
Yeah, so the point anyway was like Kingdom is definitely up there in terms of a lot of people. And I kind of just wanted to point out the hypocrisy of all these sane and elitist with Kingdom. Because Kingdom is on people's like whether it's Poon Poon Kingdom, Vinlam, whatever, like it's up there in people's sane and list. And I finally gave Kingdom a chance and I loved Kingdom. But what I will say is Kingdom has the plot of your most generic shonen ever. And I mean the most generic of them. You have Shin, the main character. He wants to be the greatest swordsman under the heavens or greatest general or something like that. And he trains. I'm like on chapter 500-ish, so I think that's good enough to give an opinion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like while I did enjoy the series, it's, to me, it's classic shonen with two slight differences one a lot more gory like people straight up get cut in half you see it Mm -hmm. and the second thing is you see uh the battle tactics within the war and it goes into slightly more detail like the wars are like actual wars not just you know some people clashing like maybe marineford or the naruto war but the point that i'm trying to make is you have people that you know they rate all these saying and highly they kind of crap on shonens but kingdom being on the list it's like you either didn't actually read kingdom and you're following the trends or you didn't ever read a shonen because again kingdom i love it but it's definitely one of the most generic stories i've ever read Mm -hmm. not that i can speak on kingdom myself since i haven't read it yet again part of my eventual seinen pilgrimage when i want to get on that but like it goes to that same kind of conversation around, you know, like, shonen versus seinen. When, at the end of the day, shonen and seinen are not genres. People need to get that through their heads. They are demographics. At the end of the day, Kingdom is an action, historical, you know, drama kind of series, and those are genres which also take place in shonen like it's like you like you pointed out it's it's another one of those stories where the main character wants to be the bless the best blank in the world kind of thing that is a common story like in a lot of situations but the the things that make that set kingdom apart are like its character interactions the fights stuff like that but at its core it has a very similar plot to other things, especially for other historical series. Like, there are a lot of stories that get told again and again and again, told by different people, but it's still a historical series. And, like, but, like, to your point, too, like, there are a lot of people, again, that, for some reasons, like, some of them will potentially put it on a higher pedestal because it's seinen and not shonen. There's that, that elitism there, even though there shouldn't be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, I also, I just want to emphasize again, like, I really do enjoy Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> maybe generic isn't the right word for it, but very much what you said, like, at the core of it, like, it really is, it's just very ironic to me because at the core it's what a lot of these so-called elitists would say as the reason as to why they hate most shonen, because the core of it is someone wants to be the best in the world 
they'll use that argument for why they think, you know, Naruto, Black Clover, all of those are generic. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's basically like you strip a story of everything that makes it special and then say it's not special, right? Like, mm -hmm. the core of a story, obviously, in almost every story, like, whatever medium, you have a character that has some sort of goal. Mm -hmm. right and these stories are supposed to be grand so obviously their goal is to be the best in the world the best in whatever and that's just the base of it so to me i just feel like it's really a dumb argument in general to say that something's generic because you know naruto wants to be hokage luffy wants to be the pirate king to me you're basically saying like if a character has a goal then the show or story or whatever is generic which just doesn't make sense to me Oh, you have a goal? That's so awful. You're <laughs> such a terrible character. How dare you have a goal? Like, you are you are absolutely correct. It's just like, unless this person has, like, the most abstract goal that has nothing to do with the plot, it's not good. It's just like, it's, it, it's, people do mental gymnastics to try and prove their point um just to avoid all of the 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 obvious pitfalls it's just it is what it is at the end of the day and circling back to um one of the earlier points that i made like every every demographic every shonen every seinen like every shoujo jose they all have their tropes and trends that are popular and they are used again and again and again by multiple series. You aren't exempt from trends and tropes just because you're one demographic. Just because you're seinen does not mean that you completely avoid uh, trends and tropes. That's not how it works. Now, that being said, again, there are series that break the mold. Not everything... Well, for seinen, not everything is this gory... Uh, fight fest like that that's not all that seinen is sometimes a seinen is a series about a girl that has a dinosaur for a roommate that is an actual thing that is a seinen series you wouldn't based on you know people's opinion you wouldn't necessarily think that's a seinen series because you know it doesn't fit in that seinen vein but again those are the same people that think that seinen is a genre rather than a demographic it's not <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, one last thing on the whole Sanin thing. I just think that it's kind of funny because if I were to break it down in the same way that people break down a lot of shonens, I would say, you know, Sanin is about some guy that went through a traumatic experience and now they isolate themselves and they kill everything. And then I would just say, you know, it's a generic Sanin. <laughs> but again, it's just doing a disservice, right? Because like, obviously there's a backbone to certain stories that get reused and recycled but it's everything on top of it that makes them special yep that's that's like saying oh uh guts has trauma in berserk that's just a typical seinen like oh my god no but yeah again the same thing like you have those people that say that about shonen it's really obnoxious mm -hmm. all right well for my next hot take um, actually speaking on a genre, uh, in my opinion, romance is the most underappreciated manga genre. I think it is the most 
underappreciated manga genre. And so what I want to explain with that, um, when it comes to romance series, and I, I don't know if you've necessarily noticed this trend or not as well, but most people don't tend to talk about a romance series unless it's been turned into an anime. Like, yeah. For any like of the popular ones. Right. For any of the popular ones, it's just like, oh, Rent-A-Girlfriend wasn't popular until it was an anime. Uh, Kaguya-sama wasn't popular until it was an anime. Um, uh, a Silent Voice technically is a romance as well. Yeah. Wasn't necessarily popular until it became a movie. Like, but the thing is, like, some of the most popular series in what like weekly shonen jump and weekly shonen magazine right now are romance series and people aren't talking about it like well i should say on the shonen jump side of things people are finally taking note of blue box and it deserves it like blue box deserves all of the recognition and it, it is crushing things as a new romance series like holy crap um but like on the weekly shonen magazine side of things over a third of the magazine is romance series. Like, and, and I, I think that will blow people's mind that, like, the the next competitor to Weekly Shonen Jump is so heavily dominated by romance series. So, and I guess to that point, when I say that romance is the most underappreciated manga genre, I should say that about the West, because obviously in Japan, it, it it sells enough for them to make as many series as they do about it. Um, like one of the for Weekly Shonen Magazine, one of its top selling series right now is a couple of cuckoos, um, which is by the same creator of Yamada Kun and the Seven Witches, which is uh, a romance that I definitely recommend for people that enjoy romance series, but like. A couple of cuckoos was breaking like Kodansha record after Kodansha record last year as a new series, which is crazy to think that a romance series is, is doing that well. But again, Japan eats it up. In the West, it, it's not an anime. We don't care. Which I don't know. I, I I think that's why, at least for me, it feels like an underappreciated genre. Um, along with the mecha anime series like genre like the the mecha anime the mecha made, yeah mech genre has definitely dropped off compared to where it used to be but i think romance in general is definitely underappreciated but i'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that yeah so i can actually speak on it from the other side of things because i am your stereotypical like action anime fan i guess mm -hmm. i have Although, I do have series like, you know, Steins Gate, especially. Like, Steins Gate's probably in my top three. Mm -hmm. uh, Code Geass, I also love. But, and I even have watched, like, some other anime, like Japan Sinks, whatever, what have you. But for some reason, I still basically have never seen a romance anime. And the thing that's weird about it for me is because I will watch, like, dramas, sitcoms like live action like just americanized shows like that mm -hmm. that definitely do have a lot of romance in them but for some whenever it comes to anime i've just never seen one mm -hmm. and 
Yeah, I feel like it's an interesting perspective because I'm not even sure what it is. Like, maybe it's still some kind of stigma about it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it, it seems weird, right? Because, like, obviously I have an anime YouTube channel. I talk about anime with all my friends and stuff. But, like, why is it that, like, it still see like, romance anime might still seem a little bit weird or a little bit, like... I don't know the word for it, really. But... I hope you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I... Th- so, if I were to put kind of, like, my thumb on it, like, I would say that, like, part of it... Because we've talked about trends and tropes. I-, I think there might be a lot of people that think, oh, well, you've seen one romance series, you've seen them all. Which is not true. Like, obviously, you're going to have a lot of trends and tropes from series to series. You're going to have a lot of similar personality types. But the big thing that is a draw for romance series is the character interactions. And, like, you get very different character interactions from romance series to romance series. And, like, on top of that, you have some series where, like, the the couple or whatnot will get together right away. Or you'll have other series where it's just, like, will they, won't they, which one will he pick? Um, and you find out in the final episode chapter kind of thing. Like, And it, it, it you have anywhere in between with those kinds of things. But, like... I think that's one of those things where it's just like, oh, well, I've I've seen this romance and like, how can it be that much different compared to this other one unless they involve crazy powers or stuff like that? Um, and I, so I used to be a person that I was, you know, very much into all the battle heavy stuff myself. Like, as I started getting older, I started to appreciate character interactions more. And that's when I started getting into more slice-of-life stuff and more romance stuff as well. And some of my favorite series, especially for anime, and, like, I I have read manga romance series as well, but a lot of my favorite ones are romance. Like, and I enjoy the character interactions that they have. Like, one of the big ones, one of the big ones that just ended last season was Fruits Basket the Final, which, in my opinion absolutely deserves to be in the top 10 on mal even though mal does not matter in the long in the grand scheme of things but like fruits basket is such a good romance series and the anime was able to capture just the 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 peaks and valleys of like the different like emotional responses and interactions between these characters and i cried several times throughout like the the end of the series because of all these emotional moments and i love series that can draw out these emotions from me and like i've 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 had visceral reactions to certain like like scenes and like events in series like i have been emotionally devastated sometimes but it's so enjoyable and i still come back to it every single time um and that's why, like, I, I feel like so many people miss out because, like, they they wait until it becomes an anime before, they, like, they do anything with it. Uh, and then they might keep up with the anime or they might just drop it. Some will get into the manga, but, like, I don't think enough people actively seek these series out before they even become an anime. And I, I think that's a big shame because there's there's so much out there that's really good yeah and 
I mean, speaking on your point more, I think it really is just because they don't get enough hype. Mm -hmm. So, like, for me, right, like, my anime journey is probably a little bit different than a lot of people's because I didn't start watching anime until, I guess, semi-recently. Mm -hmm. So, I'm in second year of college now. I started watching anime probably, like, 10th grade of high school. So, mm -hmm. four years-ish, five years. Right? So, like, when I was a kid, I watched Dragon Ball on TV, then watched Super, and then when the tournament arc was happening, one of my friends was like, yo, this could be as good as the dark tournament arc from Yu Yu Hakusho. So I watched that, went down a spiral, got Verve, mm -hmm. whatever, what have you. Before and... Funimation took it off and it was just like, ah, yeah. this is why I got Verve. I, that's why I got Verve in the first place was because of Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah. It was just like, they're advertising and I, 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 will, I will watch Yu Yu Hakusho until the end of time because that series is always a 10 out of 10 for me, but... Go on, go on. I, I, I interject. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, essentially, the point being was, like, it got to a point where by the end of, like, three, four years, I watched, like, a lot of series. But it's very few that I just stumbled across. Mm -hmm. So almost every series I watched, either a friend or a YouTube video, something, like, strongly recommended me to watch it. And... For some reason, it's like these romance animes aren't getting that level of hype. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if I just see two girls on a cover of a, like, anime thing, like, why do I... Nothing is, like, super interesting from that. Like, I'm not just gonna just gonna be like, oh, what's this one, right? I feel mm -hmm. like I need some sort of recommendation or someone telling me, like, you should give this a chance. Yep. But with romance anime, I don't get them. And honestly, I feel like without seeing any romance anime i can assume that a lot of them are probably better or comparable to the shows that i like because you know one piece and dragon ball are my two favorite i don't want to say favorite series but they're like up there right mm -hmm. and i say this all the time but i don't care about the fights at all like that might seem weird especially for dragon ball but it's the emotions that matter so much more, especially with One Piece. Like, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to in One Piece is, like, how all the characters that Luffy, all the Straw Hats have interacted with in their past are going to react to now seeing them at the top of the pirate world. Like, that's mm -hmm. what I really want to see in One Piece. Yes. And, like, in Dragon Ball, like, as I said earlier, lots of shows have had a lot better fight choreography. Like, I'm sure you of like just insane hand-to-hand -hand combat but at the end of the day there's shows that no one really talks about because they don't have that same level of emotion there mm -hmm. so i don't know what it is because you can't really advertise emotional impact well through just a picture with a character and a title on it but i feel like maybe as a community we just have to talk about these romance anime more or something, but I feel like just more people need to see them. Yes, I agree. I and I, I, I will say on the on the Dragon Ball side of things with the emotions. Uh, no joke. One of my favorite aspects of Dragon Ball is seeing Piccolo's emotional growth through the series. Uh, I think that's one of the best parts. Just seeing him turn from villain into good guy into Godfather of gohan's child like I, I i love the the just the emotional journey of piccolo but again you have some people that are just like oh it's all about the fights and it's not it's really not but yeah i i, I think 
more people need to get into romance series and i i want more i want more anti-tubers to talk about them rather than just like oh like this once in a blue moon oh this anti-tuber really really liked kaguya-sama or really liked rental girlfriend and that's the only reason why we're hearing about it like i i, I want more from it but that's a uh, that's what i gotta say about that so I will open up the floor then to your final hot take. Okay, so my final hot take is... I'd consider it more of a molten take because this is something that is very hot on both sides. And it is the fact that, for me, I would like to argue that sales matter. And to a certain extent... I would argue that sales are indicative of quality. So let me explain what I mean by that, right? Because mm -hmm. obviously I have an opinion on a show just like you would have an opinion on a show. But at the end of the day, my opinion doesn't really matter, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're to argue that there's no objective way to measure the quality of a show, then isn't the most fair way to measure the quality by the amount of people that like it? I mean, if we're saying that everyone's opinion on a show or series is subjective, and you can't objectively say, you know, Berserk's a 10 out of 10. Objectively, it's the best thing ever, right? If you can't say that, then I feel like sales at least play some part of it because you're not buying a series that you think is bad. Mm -hmm. And if you're saying that um and like if you're trying to say like you know you can't objectively rate something it's subjective anyway like sales would probably be or viewership at least even though good advertisement bad advertisement there's a lot of different factors that is one statistic that probably represents the amount of people that is interested in a series so and to me even websites like mal even though they do have their problems i feel like to a certain extent, they are indicative of a series quality. No, I think you have a very strong point. At the end of the day, there is no objective way to compare series without some kind of statistical comparison. Like, because statistics are concrete pieces of data opinions are subjective and, and people don't understand the difference between objective and subjective like that's not a hot take that's just true it's yeah. people don't understand so like yes sales are indicative like sales are what determines oh hey this person enjoyed this thing so much that they used their money to purchase it they did not pirate it they put in their money to fund and support their enjoyment of X thing. That is concrete. That is objective. And to further expand upon that, I think people need to understand that for series popularity, like manga sales are important. To add upon that, a series becomes more successful 
when they're able to generate revenue from multiple channels at the same time. And what I mean with that is that like if a series has manga sales, if a series has anime sales, if a series has merchandise sales, these all factor in to like objective, you know, statistics of this series outperformed this series. Um which it's it's one of those things like uh with I'm just going to say it Black Clover as an example. There are a lot of people that like will judge Black Clover solely based on the manga sales and I will recognize this. Black Clover loses out to series like My Hero Academia or Jujutsu Kaisen in terms of manga sales. In terms of multi-channel revenue, Black Clover makes a lot of money, or at least it did make a lot of money off of it as anime, and it makes a lot of money off of its merchandise. And that is objective. Like, that is an indicator of why... For all the people that complain, oh, why is Black Clover still in Weekly Shonen Jump? It's because it brings in money. And that is a sign of, you know, popularity and how well it's doing. That's how it is. And again, with like Fairy Tale. Like, while people might subjectively not like Fairy Tale, it was the sixth best selling Kodansha series of all time. Those are the actual numbers. Like, you can't you can't argue as it's like oh well it, it didn't really have that many no it had 72 million in sales that is not arguable that is fact mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think that the one thing that people don't realize is any twitter and any tube are so so insignificant yes even mal at the end of the day, there's not that many... Because even me, someone who's super into anime, obviously have an anime manga channel. I don't use Mal. I have never used Mal. So how many people do you think, realistically... I would. I don't know the numbers, obviously, but it's definitely a very low percentage of people that will read a series and then rate it. Mm-hmm. And because of how insignificant, you know, any Twitter, any tube is... People like to say objective, subjective. I mean, we've already come to the conclusion you can't really, like, objectively rate a series or show. But, I mean, it doesn't have to just be manga sales, but manga sales, you know, uh, how many people are watching it on Crunchyroll, whatever. These things do matter. Yes. And I feel like, at the end of the day, if you're trying to make an argument about objectivity, these statistics are what you would use. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. And I, I it, it is one of those things where like people don't understand just how minuscule we in the grand scheme of things we are. Like even the people that have one million subscribers on YouTube. So like people like Giguk who have over a million subscribers, people like Nuxtaku who have over a million subscribers. That is a fraction the the fractionist of fractions compared to the actual world population or even comparing it to like japan like it is so tiny in comparison and even then how many of those people are actually contributing 
to the sales and actual, you know, success of these series that they, you know, are either in support of or not support of. Like, how many people are just pirating content or just and or not buying things? Like, you're not doing your series any favor compared to all these people in Japan that are regularly buying this stuff. Like, you you do not matter in the grand scheme of things compared to all those people. So, yeah, and I mean, I know that wasn't really the point, but right, it right, also I know. brings up a... No, not that, but, like, it also brings up, like, another interesting argument. Like, I know how you mentioned, uh, like, you're not supporting, you're not doing your series justice. Like, also this generation of people growing up on the internet with everything's free, right? Like... You want to read Bleach, for example, you literally just Google, read Bleach free. First link comes up, you're reading Bleach. Yep. And I mean, this is a completely separate topic. Like, completely. But I feel like, you know, somehow these companies have to find a better way to source out their content. Mm -hmm. I mean, Shonen Jump's great. Yes. Like, that is really great. Like, 99 cents, whatever, $1.99, you buy that, you can read anything. Mm -hmm. But for mangas not on Shonen Jump, especially anime, I feel like, you know, because personally, like, I don't have a problem paying with for stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I bought Verve, I have Netflix, you know, Funimation, whatever, but it needs to be able to use. Like, especially for Funimation, it's a real problem how I pay for Funimation, I have One Piece, I wanted to rewatch the dub, and I'm specifically avoiding it because of how crap the Funimation service is. Oh, you are not wrong whatsoever. You and I have that's talked so about sad. this, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that that's the dub. That's not even talking about how, like, there have been episodes of certain series that just would not play on the web service yeah. and or would have Spanish subtitles instead of English ones on the day of release. Like, what the hell? And it's not even like Spanish is like a choosable option. It's like, you are you only have English, but you're given Spanish. It's just like, come on. Really? Really? You, you are owned by Sony, and you can't get this together? And you know what? That's, you know, one of my hopes with this whole Crunchyroll merger thing is that maybe somebody from Crunchyroll will tell them how to make a decent video player and it's kind of awful that like crunchy roll is being set as this kind of bar for that but it's just like crunchy roll at least is doing the bare minimum compared to funimation but mm -hmm. just ugh. and like to the whole bleach thing like shonen jump and viz media are at least trying in the west yeah. like the fact of the matter is for three dollars a month you can get the shonen jump uh, viz access and you can read a hundred chapters per day of any of the series in the the shonen jump um like library of content for the stuff that they have in it anyway um and you can read bleach in the span of 70 days if, if you read a hundred chapters of bleach per day now that being said if you wanted to read other stuff great you get to read every single series from Weekly Shonen Jump on Sundays or Mondays when they release. That is, like, 
19 to 20 series that you get to read every week, not accounting for breaks or certain series or whatnot. And then every other thing like from the vault. That is great. And I really wish that we had more from other services. Like, and th they're, they're starting to get more and more as time goes on. And I think if we keep pushing hard enough, we'll eventually get more. Um, but I wish that was more of an option for sure, because there are so many other great series that are out there that people just don't have access to or not the same level of access. Like, yes, certain series might be getting physical reprints, but that doesn't make it any less hard to get series like Slam Dunk or Yu Yu Hakusho uh, on the jump side of things, or uh, like Air Gear, or or even Fairy Tale or Rave Master, uh, on the the Weekly Shonen Magazine side of things. I I I, I want more. I, I want people to experience more. Uh, and and with that stuff, you can actually support the series and give that objective stat to them to make it comparable. So. No, I I definitely agree. All right. Well, any other things that you have to say on that, then? I think I'm good. Sounds good. Well, based on where we are, podcast wise, we are not. I don't think we're going to get to the internet hot take side of things because we're already an hour and a half into the podcast. So okay. I think I think we can definitely end though on my final hot take, and I I think this is. A very interesting hot take uh, to end things on. So, for my hot, final hot take, the two three-word phrases that I hate the most in the AnyTube, AnyTwitter space right now are Best New Gen and New Big Three. I hate these phrases <laughs> so much. They are awful. And so so to explain, to explain here. So first off, with best new gen, no one knows how to freaking define what new gen is. No one. No one out there. You have any, like, you have people that are saying, like, oh, My Hero Academia is the best new gen out there. My Hero Academia started in, like, 2012. 2014. I, I don't remember offhand. Either way, like, yeah. it's eight whatever years ago and then you have people are like oh well tokyo revengers is the the best new gen uh also not understanding that like tokyo revengers is like five or so or four to five years old like constantly constantly you have these people that are saying best new gen best new gen best new gen and just like like the the sales argument they use it to fit their argument while ignoring other important details or arguments. Like, yeah. what is it? What is Best New Gen? Is it whatever happened after One Piece, Bleach, and Naruto? Like, which, I, I mean, so. those ended, like, in, like, the 2010s. But, like, even then, like, why are we just using Shonen Jump as a metric for that? But, like, again, it, it, it people fit it to their narrative. And it's so annoying because there's no definitions to it it's it's not like we're like saying oh like this is the best series from like this year or like this era um which like 
and this is a bit of a tangent here, this is why I like the common Rider in Super Sentai franchise and how they divide things. Because the different eras of Kamen Rider and Super Sentai are based on uh, the Emperor eras in Japan. So, like, the, the most recent one right now is Reiwa. Um, a couple years ago uh, is when the Reiwa period started, but before that it was Heisei. And then 20-some years ago it was the Showa era. So I really like how they use those eras to define... Like the different parts of the franchise. Um, you don't necessarily get to see that in Shonen... Like, well, obviously, no one talks about that in Shonen Jump. Because that, that wasn't like a part of that culture. But like we could have totally defined things by years. But again, people are like, ah, it's best new gen. Best new gen. It's just this generic best new gen. And it, ugh, it's annoying. I, I will say that. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts on Best New Gen are, but I, I know you you yourself have also seen Best New Gen yeah. thrown around everywhere. Yeah. And so, to me, um, I think that Best New Gen personally stems from a place of insecurity around someone's favorite series. Or... Maybe not even insecurity. Maybe they feel like people will jump them for saying best anime or best manga of all time. Mm -hmm. Because, to me, right, like, the only reason why I think people like Black Clover, MHA, JJK fans argue best new gen is because they don't want to compare their series to the big three, to Dragon Ball, to Full Metal, to Code Geass, to Death Note, to whatever came before it. Mm -hmm. I think it's, like, a way of, like, reducing competition so your take seems more reasonable. But also throwing in one more thing that I personally see a lot that I can't stand is every... I'm sure you see it, too. Every single day. I don't know when this started, because I swear this wasn't happening all too long ago. It's this best female cast. Oh, my God. That was another thing I wanted and... to talk about, but, like, uh, yes. Go ahead. And as much as I think that that doesn't really matter and it's not really something that we should be arguing about too much, the most, like, weird part to me is I never even see any arguments. I just see best female cast and I just see Noelle hype 24-7. Just nothing besides people talking about Noelle. Maybe sometimes Nobara, but that's it. I mean, I'm personally... I just think if we're talking about best female cast, we need to throw things like Bleach in there. You know, Rukia, really solid Dutragonist. But that's besides the point. Yeah, no. With that, it makes you think that people only read three series. And, like, they don't appreciate more of the female cast of certain series. Uh, in my own personal opinion, right now, uh, at least for Weekly Shonen Jump... My favorite female cast is actually from Undead Unluck. I love the female cast in Undead Unluck, and I think it's one of the best. It, in my opinion, it has one of the best female protagonists in Jump right now. Uh, Fuko is absolutely incredible. Her growth in the entire series so far has been fantastic. I, I think that she runs circles around some of the other characters in Jump, but like you said, people don't put up the arguments. And if they do put up an argument it's paper thin 
And again, you can kind of tell, well, you didn't really read more than three series. <laughs> you, you really didn't read into these other characters. And like we have said multiple, multiple times in this podcast, they don't understand nuance. They don't. And it's, it is absolutely annoying. Um, but to circle back to what you said, I think you made a fantastic point about people putting best new gen as a qualifier to try and diminish the, the competition that they have there. Because yes, like when you say best new gen, yes, you are excluding anything that is from the ambiguous pre-gen or whatever that was. It's just like, oh, it, no, that's that's excluding all of those series. Those aren't those aren't new gen from two thousand uh, to two thousand twenty one. Uh, no, it's awful. It, it it really is. Um, and the reason, okay, and then transitioning into why I hate the topic or the the phrase "new big three, I don't think people truly understand the gravity and the culture that came with being part of the big three. So the big three, it, the big three in all honesty is more of a, a Western interpretation of it. Um, since obviously Weekly Shonen Jump had all these other series that were running at the same time, along with Naruto, One Piece, and Bleach. But it was really the West that really made them as big as they were and titled them the big three. And when they were that big three was a very different time when you had a lot of people that were just celebrating that there were these three big series compared to nowadays where you have the fandoms of those three said series at each other's throats. And the same can be said about other series. Like we're, we're never going to get to this point again where you'll have, almost like this unified approach to thinking oh man these are the best three series because you'll have people that are arguing like like crazy about what these like the uh, the oh this series doesn't belong in the new big three or stuff like that and you also have people that like again they'll throw in all these different things like oh best new three is my hero academia Jujutsu Kaisen and Chainsaw Man. No, the best new three is My Hero Academia, Jujutsu Kaisen, and Tokyo Revengers. No, the best new three are Berserk, Vagabond, and Poon Poon. It's just like, again, it's like, <laughs> it's so obnoxious. Because, again, it's, it's one of those things of people putting in qualifiers for it. Like, okay, uh, does big three, like... Does that only include Weekly Shonen Jump? Does that only include Weekly Shonen Jump and Jump Plus? Does that include Weekly Shonen Magazine? Are we determining this by sales? Are we the determining this by which has the better anime? Like, there, there are so many things, and it's it becomes such a big argument, and it's so different from the culture around the original big three of One Piece, Bleach, and Naruto. In my opinion... We are never going to experience that same kind of perfect storm again and that same kind of unity about, like, three series and how well they do in sales. On top of that, like... I, I Like, Demon, Demon Slayer obviously is a very 
very specific example of a series that absolutely blew up because of its anime and its sales went crazy. Um, like even comparing like Jujutsu Kaisen and Tokyo Revengers, which are seeing very big increases in their manga sales, they didn't experience even half. Well, I guess kind of half of what Demon Slayer did, but in that same capacity, you have a lot of people that discredit uh, Demon Slayer and say, "Oh, it's not part of the new big three. And it's just like, "What are your metrics then? Like, what what are we determining? And uh, like, that's why like it is just a phrase that annoys me as much as it is. And I think it's just people don't people throw it around without realizing the weight that it carries. Yeah, and I mean, I think, again, it's this microcosm of Twitter, and mm-hmm. another part of it is a lot of people about the new big three <clears throat> either weren't born when the, like, actual big three was happening, mm-hmm. or, like, me just weren't, like, reading manga when it was happening. So, right. like, a lot of the people you have arguing about a new big three, they don't know the first for comparison. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the Demon Slayer thing, it's just really funny to me because the series is, without a doubt, very, very popular, obviously. Mm-hmm. But at least in this anti-tuber, anti-Twitter microcosm, like, strangely, no one really seems to talk or care about Demon Slayer that much. Well, they, they and, hate it more than like it. It's yeah. because it's popular. Once again, it's popular to hate it. Uh, and it's specifically popular to hate on Demon Slayer because of how popular it was with the normies. Yeah. And, I mean, everything about New Big Three. <clears throat> what I will say is I think that there is at least an argument to be made for at least possibly a Big Two. Right, because I think One Piece obviously hasn't gone anywhere. It can't not be the only series that I feel has consistently, like, been up there is My Hero Academia. It, not even one of my personal favorite series, but I do still see some of the, at least uh, I don't know how long ago it was maybe a couple weeks ago. You have all these My Hero and One Piece fans like week by week, especially during the My Hero War, constantly going at it. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's nowhere close to the level of how it used to be. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. And again, just kind of going back to like the discussion on like multi-channel revenue and whatnot. My Hero makes a boatload of money yeah. from its manga, its anime, its movies, and its merchandise. A lot of money. And whether or not that is comparable to the same levels of Naruto or bleach and obviously not one piece because one piece is still at the top but it it could definitely be contended as one of those ones where it is at the closest level to be compared to but you'll have people that will argue for or against it for various reasons mainly because of subjectivity um because no one wants to be objective about it and if they are going to be objective about it, they're objective to a point because they find out that something goes against their objectivity 
and that just throws a wrench in everything. So it's, I, I do agree that I think that of any of any Shonen Jump series right now, and potentially of any anime slash manga series, period, it it's definitely the closest in that realm, for sure. Um, but I think in two, just because again, the the culture is very different now compared to what it used to be, like. We're, we're in a world now where a lot of people understand, or at least are starting to understand, that not everything is from Weekly Shonen Jump. There are things from other sources and whatnot, and we're finally understanding that. So the, the concept of a new big three, like I said before, is just like, what, what are the parameters for it? Because there are great things coming out of everywhere. And it's not just Shonen Jump. So, like, if you're going to say New Big 3, are you going to keep it that way? And, like, if so, is it actually, you know, objectively or subjectively bigger than these series from another platform? And if it's not, then why is this part of the Big 3 and this isn't? So, like, again, just more fuel for my fire of why I hate that term. Just because there's so much that goes into it and people are trying to just pigeonhole it into like one niche explanation when they're, there are way more layers than they think. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, just one quick question before we end. Do you think we have time for one more micro take? Like a yes, really small one? Absolutely. Okay. So, Again, since we were just talking about Demon Slayer, this whole, and you probably know what I'm going to say already, carried by animation. Mm-hmm. So, two things, and again, it's the nuance of any Twitter, and maybe just the nuance that people in general just lack, right? You can't be carried by animation because you can't be carried of an aspect of a show because it's you're supposed to make an anime that looks good right mm -hmm. but on the opposite hand a manga can definitely be enhanced by the anime source material can be enhanced and it's supposed to be enhanced mm -hmm. so i'm not gonna say for example like demon slayer it's not carried by animation but you can't also say like this fight is better in the anime than it was in the manga because it looks so good. And that's definitely a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think the example that really opened my eyes to this is, I don't know if you've seen any of the Fate series or not, but um, I'm currently watching Fate Zero. I forgot what, I think the other one was Fate Stay Night. Yeah, I watched Fate Stay Night. Um... This is probably gonna piss off a lot of fate stands, but that was that's assuming not that they're a good series. Oh, I was gonna say that's assuming that they're even listening in two hours into the podcast. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I was really fighting to like not say Fate Stay Night is carried by animation, but I definitely think that a lot of the hype has to come from how quality the animation is because I don't necessarily think that the story is anything that like spectacular i think a lot of the characters were bland but i don't want to say something's outright carried by animation because 
that is an aspect of it and even if it is does that necessarily mean it's a bad thing to be carried by animation or have animation be something of it like the art of a series is half of the series i mean arguably might not be half of it but you know like you're listening to it you're watching it it's definitely a big part of the series and you know having good adaption isn't a bad thing like it's not like a lot of people arguing you know if my series had better animation it would be top one everyone would love it at the end of the day it's just unlucky that your series didn't get a good adaption but you can't take it away from other series yeah how how dare you be visually appealing <laughs> how dare you no i and that's the thing is that like for demon slayer the reason why the animation is able to pop up pop pop off as much as it does is because the manga gave them the vehicle to use it's like the 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 concept of these different forms of breathing given visual effect is what allowed them to give us what we got and like like you said it's it's one of, it's one of those unfortunate things of like depending on what studio wants to give what budget you have some series that have worse adaptations than others that's how it is it's it's one of those unfortunate rolls of the dice where it's just like you'll have series that look visually amazing like demon slayer done by studio ufotable and then you'll have the filler from black clover where uh asta goes in a right angle through the sky and they decided to animate it like that or or even worse <laughs> like I, as an, a very specific example with Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4 where when Yoshikage Kira and Killer Queen were revealed for the first time in the anime they outsourced it and they made Killer Queen look like ass <laughs> ass like it is it is the stuff of nightmares it's how bad and emaciated he looks it, but like at the end of the day even then people still enjoyed the adaptation there are a lot of people that still love jojo's bizarre adventure there are still episodes of black clover's anime that are animated really well but the reason why people stick with them is because they enjoy the characters and or the story at the end of the day demon slayer people were still enjoying demon slayer prior to episode 17 episode 17 is what made the internet explode but people were enjoying it up to that point because they enjoyed the characters the action the the visuals the art style etc etc to say it's carried by animation is just a weak argument because you're not looking into other aspects of the series and understanding why people enjoy them as much as they do plain and simple it's it's just one of those weak arguments um that they can't they can't further expand upon it's like the same people that like just say oh this is mid without actually giving like an explanation as to why it's mid it's just like come on come on you you can't just throw around this word just because you're too lazy to throw around an argument then you just look like an idiot but again it, it is what it is i i completely agree getting carried by animation is just not a thing um i mean like it, as another example like the pokemon anime um which gave a perfect example of how people don't understand what 
art style and animation are two different things. Dear God. But, like, so many people hated on the Sun and Moon anime because of the art style, despite the fact that the animation part of it was some of the best in the entire Pokemon series. So, like, again, for the people that are like, oh, it's carried by animation, they they don't understand it. They can't argue it enough, in my opinion, to make it an actual argument. So, no. I, I appreciate this micro-take because it's... God, people... It, if there's anything to learn from this podcast, for again, for the people that are still in this, two hours in, you are the real MVPs. Um, and just to also kind of go off of one of the hot takes from the internet, like, you shouldn't take, like, the opinions of tubers or Twitter and or the communities of both at face value. You should not make their opinions your opinion like you you should always form your own but that's not saying that the content and their opinions are bad like i appreciate the fact that like the anti-tube and anti-twitter community are as big as they are and there are people that have made that possible i i don't think that people are making bad content as this one person wanted to comment on my twitter post was trying to imply dear god uh i stayed away for that comment but like they make good content that doesn't mean that their opinion should be your opinion form your own opinion explore find find series that you wouldn't necessarily be interested in otherwise give them the watch make your own opinion if you like fairy tale you like fairy tale that's okay if you like dragon ball you like dragon ball that is okay if you like demon slayer you like Demon Slayer, and that's okay. And as a plug for this channel and a running joke, if you like Build King, you're wrong. But that's, you know, that's that's what it is. I, <laughs> I, had, I had to do it. It's, if you like Build King, you're wrong. Go read or watch Toriko, damn it. It's, it's better, but again. And that's just, you know, point in case. My opinion should not necessarily be your opinion. Learn from what I'm saying. Form your own opinion. And you know what? Have have your own hot takes. Because, in all honesty, we need more good hot takes out there. Uh, and less of the bad hot takes. Because uh, there are a lot of those too. My god. And we, we unfortunately did not get to get into any more of the internet hot takes. Although we did kind of spread them out throughout this video. Because, I, I, I mean... I, we we just went as in-depth as we did on our own hot takes, and I, I think there, there were a lot of fantastic takeaways from this podcast, and I, I hope I hope I hope this was a positive experience for those people that uh, listen. Uh, I know it was definitely a, a fun fun ride myself uh, being, being here and uh, talking hot takes with you for two hours. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, well, that being said, uh, Tron, I'm going to give you the floor. Um, for anyone that is not, that is still with us two hours into the podcast, please give Tron a, a, a subscribe if you haven't done so already. But please uh, take the floor, Tron. Yeah, appreciate you having me once again. And if there is anything that I want you to take away from listening to this, 
at least from my side even if you're here probably not but if you're here again really appreciate that it's that you just gotta be slightly more nuanced Mm-hmm. All of these problems, the one key thing that went through all of these takes is some people are just 0% or 100% is just black and white, and the answer is normally gray instead. Again, Axel, thank you for having me. If you like, you know, One Piece JJK, and maybe I'll do some romance manga videos in the future. Yes! I'll end up enjoying them. Uh, go to my YouTube, at Tokyotron. Same Twitter at Tokyotron2 to keep up with more of my hot takes or just anything else I do in general. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, if you do romance stuff, I will hype it up. But uh, yeah, just gotta, gotta, gotta get you on the good ones for sure, since <laughs> there are ones out there. Well, anyway, thank you, Tron, for being here. It is always a pleasure um, to have you here. And I, I'm glad that I was able to have you here for your hot takes. Uh, and once again, if you are you are amazingly into this podcast two hours in and you are not subscribed already uh congratulations you are a champion among champions please subscribe uh that would be great uh if you like this podcast and you want to experience more podcasts like this in the future hit that like button as well otherwise for now my name is axel blaze thank you guys for listening and my greatest hot take of all i love you audience bye-bye everybody